Thanks for listening to the Seeds Church Podcast. If you're in Middle Tennessee, we'd love to have you join us in person for one of our services. Check out SeedsChurchTN.com for times and locations. Now, here's our lead pastor, J.D. Swilly. Praise God, it's a new year. You know, uh, I've I been saying this uh, in prayer uh, the last few days, thanking God for a new year, but also thanking him that he stands outside of time. He doesn't, he's not um, constricted to time like we are. And he is the same yesterday, today, and forever, amen? Hebrews tells us that. And so as we walk into a new year with hope and the possibilities of what could be and saying, God, what do you have for me this year? We wanna embrace that. Uh, we can be thankful that he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Uh, yesterday, we had uh, kicked off the year with our very first uh, men's breakfast of the year. It was so great. There was 20 of us guys that gathered here today, or yesterday, I should say, and we had a uh, good time of fellowship and some fun, and then we also had a great conversation about the fear of the Lord. And I wanna tell you, uh, men, we are being very intentional uh, moving forward about cultivating a culture of strong men within Seeds Church. We believe that this world and the church needs strong, godly men. And so we have somewhere around 128 different men's gatherings this year in Seeds Church. Between the, yeah, if you count them up, between we have two regular life groups that meet every week, one on Wednesday morning at at Donut Country in Murfreesboro, I say it's 5.30, but really if you talk to the guys, it's like it's more like 5.45 to 6 by the time everybody shows up. And then we have Tuesday nights at 7.30 here on campus. And then we have monthly uh, men's breakfast and then also monthly men's lunch that happens once a month. And so we have opportunities to connect, to be iron sharpening iron, and to grow in the Lord. Amen. And one of the things we talked about yesterday is in 2 Samuel chapter one, uh, David gets the news and the report that, that Saul and Jonathan have, have died, have perished in battle. And he sings an obituary for them. And he says about them, Saul and Jonathan, they were swifter than eagles and stronger than lions. And I, when I read that a, a few weeks ago, it just jumped off the page at me. I was like, man, what a mantra for seeds men that, that we would think about and sh iron sharpen iron one another to be men who are swifter than eagles and stronger than lions, first in the spirit and then whatever God has called us to lay our hands to, amen? So praise God. Uh, also this year, as, as, we were, as we were closing out 2023, I always uh, I'm very intentional to take some time before the Lord and say, Lord, what do you have for Seeds? What's the vision for Seeds Church for the coming year? And the, the first time that we ever really got a word from the Lord like this was back in um, 2019 into 2020. And then so this is the fourth year now of, of uh, just saying, God, what, what's, the, what's the mantra for the church for this year? And we, in discerning, um, you know, you feel like sometimes in prayer you hear some things from the Lord and you just let, let that sit and marinate and see what God does and see how he confirms that. And he confirmed the word that 2024 is gonna be a year of being refined by fire here at Seeds Church. And, and 
you can hear that and you're, you, <laughs> you can be like, oh no, what's gonna happen? Or you can go, no, I wanna lean into this because I want to be pure as gold and pure as silver. And so God refine us and take, like uh, melt us down and, and, and scrape the dross off so that we can be pure as gold and pure silver, amen? And so I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward, saying, God, whatever you have for us, whatever fire you have for us, bring it. I want the fire of God because I want it to purify me and I want it to purify the bride and I want it to purify the church, amen? Amen. So today is the beginning of seek. And, and seek is... Uh, you know, this, this year, this season, it's a 15-day season of prayer and fasting, corporate prayer and fasting. And these Sikh seasons that we have are part of the regular rhythm of, of here at Seeds Church. We observe a, a season of Sikh at the beginning of every year, and then right around, again, the, the school year, when it starts up a new school year. And so seek is a season where we intentionally pray and fast together. We, we try to minimize the distractions in our lives and we shift the normal routines in our lives for the purpose of hearing God's voice more clearly and better focusing on what he is saying and what he's doing. When we turn down the volume of our flesh in our day-to-day -day lives, it has the supernatural effect of, of being able to hear the voice of God better. And so to help you seek during this time, uh, we're, we're doing what we typically do uh, to help us all do this together and, and corporately be on the same page together, no pun intended, but we're, we've given out these seek books. And in the seek book, uh, you will find a daily devotional, a daily prayer focus, and a daily scripture. And you're also gonna find some journal pages. And so, again, the reason that we do this is so that it's not just you off seeking the Lord by yourself, but there's some strength that comes from knowing that we're doing this together, that we're in it together, that we're in a corporate time of prayer and fasting. And not only are we doing it at Siege Church, but there are many other churches around the nation and around the world that are taking this first part of the year to seek the Lord. And they may call it something else, but it's, a, it's an intentional time of seeking and, and praying and fasting for the voice of God so that we can better hear the voice of God. And so the reason we have daily prayer focuses and daily devotionals and daily scriptures is so that we can be together doing this. And again, we can draw some strength from that, praise God. And, and the reason we have uh, pages in here for you to journal, to write down some notes or some thoughts or even your prayers is because we want you to be able to keep this for the rest of your life and you can come back to it. And, and uh, Jamie and I have a, have a book of God's stories and words that God's given to us or dreams that he's given to us. And, and every once in a while, we'll come back to that book and we open it up and we revisit and we go, oh my gosh. I, 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 this wasn't on, on like the, the front burner of my thinking today. I forgot about that. And, and look at what God has done and how he's answered those prayers. And so I encourage you to utilize the journal pages here over these next 15 days and to journal your prayers so that you can come back and revisit and reflect and give God thanks for his faithfulness, whether it be weeks or months or even years from now. Praise God. So we have hard copies of these 
for you to get. If you're more of a digital copy person, that's fine. We have a QR code. We're gonna put that up on the screen right here for just a minute. You can scan the QR code and you can download this. You can get a digital copy. Some of you are like, you can put this paper thing in my hand, but I'm gonna lose it about five seconds after I walk out the door. But I won't lose my phone. And so you can... You can download the digital copy to your phone. You can get it on your computer as a PDF or whatever. You can print more copies at home if you'd like. So there it is. And I, again, I wanna highly encourage you during these 15 days of SEEK, engage, engage. Don't throw it into cruise control at 30 miles an hour. Let's go, let's get intense. Let's really seek the Lord. One of the things that I'm doing this year, just personally, is, I, is right before the, the new year started, I heard about this, 30-day Bible reading plan. Like, read the whole Bible in 30 days. It's called Shred. I was like, I like that. Like, you know, you get in the gym, you're shredding. You know, lifting my spiritual weights. <laughs> I don't think I'm gonna be able to accomplish the whole Bible in 30 days. It's intense. Day one was like Genesis 1 through 41. It's extreme. However, there are seasons in our life where we go, I could use some extreme right now. I can't live on extreme every single day, but there's seasons where you go, it's time to put the pedal to the metal and let's go. And so that's what I'm doing. And, and I'm not saying that you have to do that, but I do encourage you this year, get on a Bible reading plan. Read through the Bible this year. I don't think I'm gonna be able to finish by January 30th, uh, but if I, if I bleed into February, I'll be okay. I'll be all right. But uh, in, in addition to engaging with the prayer guide and with praying and fasting, make the commitment, like for the next two Wednesdays, I'm gonna be here for the prayer gathering. Every Wednesday night, we have prayer and worship. Make the commitment. The next two Wednesdays, during this season, I'm gonna be here. Make the commitment for the next two Sundays, I'm gonna be here. You know, sometimes we, we have to skip for some reason or another. If you look around the room, you're gonna notice there's so-and-so's not here. Probably a lot of people are sick right now. And so if you see, some, see that somebody's not here, call them, text them, check on them, find out if you can pray for them. We, we've, um, I just, we just got news of, um, you know, something going on in some people's family. There was a death in the family. We've got news of uh, Jackie Craybill. Her mom is in hospice right now. So there's things going on in people's lives that interrupt the flow. But if you don't have something like that, make the commitment. I'm gonna be here the next two Wednesdays. I'm gonna be here the next two Sundays. It's that important. Amen? So something powerful takes place when we come together before the Lord and we lift up one voice. So please stand with me this morning, this first Sunday of 2024. We're gonna do what we always do here with the opening text. We're gonna stand and honor God's word. We're gonna read this aloud with one voice. One of the reasons that we do this uh, if you're new to seeds or if you're new to this practice, many churches do this. Uh, they observe this practice, but we know that church, the church has been doing this at least going all the way back to the fourth century. And even before that, we have the example in the Old Testament of when Ezra read the scriptures to the people, everyone stood all day long to hear the scriptures being read, to give honor to the word of God. Don't worry, I'm not gonna make you stand for the next 30 minutes or so. But we, we do this to show honor and reverence to the word of God. And then at the end of the Bible reading, I say, this is the word of the Lord. And then you respond, thanks be to God. So I'm gonna say, this is the word of the Lord. You're gonna say, 
And the reason that we do that is because, first of all, we wanna tell God, thank you for your word. And we wanna remind ourselves and we wanna remind one another of how thankful and how grateful we are for the word of God, amen? And we wanna build those muscles of gratitude in our lives, especially for the word of God. And it's a good thing because what I know is is that the happiest people on this planet are the ones who are filled with the most gratitude and generosity. It's not about how much you have, but it's about being thankful for what you do have and doing what, what are you doing with what you have. And so we're just building these muscles of gratitude for God and his word. So I wanna invite you to read aloud with me just these two verses from Psalm 42. This is um, one of the Psalms from the sons of Korah, and we won't get into all of that right now today, but Psalm 42, verse one, let's go. As the deer longs for streams of water, so I long for you, O God. I thirst for God, the living God. That was really short, so let's do it again. As the deer longs for streams of water, so I long for you, O God. I thirst for God, the living God. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you and praise you that we are just able to even gather here openly without any kind of fear or trepidation. But God, we get to come together and worship you this first Sunday of 2024. And Lord, I just pray that right now we're just, we're just, um, we're setting the mark. We're going, God, it's not just gonna be this first Sunday I'm gonna give to you. God, I give you all of this year. Every moment, every breath that I breathe this year, I give it to you. Lord, refine us by fire. And Lord, I pray that as we seek you, that you would reward us. As we seek you diligently, that you would reward us. That as we ask, that you would give. As we seek, that we would find. As we knock, the door would be answered or open to us in the name of Jesus. Speak to our hearts today as we look in your word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. You can be seated. So we're talking about prayer and fasting. And I'd gather probably some of us have a little bit more of a grasp on the prayer part than the fasting part. So today I just kind of want to focus on fasting. What is fasting? What is biblical fasting? And, and I think sometimes there are some misconceptions about it. So, so first let's just clarify what fasting is or, or biblical fasting, or I should say maybe let's clarify what it's not Um, Biblical fasting is not just merely going without food for a period of time. That is called dieting, you know? Uh, If if all you're doing is just giving up food, that's cool, but that's just a New Year's diet. That's not really just fasting. And and so, um, or or maybe it's even starving, I don't know, but... (laughs) Uh, fasting is also not something that's just done by fanatics or extremists. Biblical fasting is not for just the spiritual fanatics or the spiritual extremists. I, I, I wanna just really drive that point home because fasting is not to be done, it's, it's not reserved just for the religious professionals, okay? Uh, you know, alone in a monastery or a convent somewhere on the other side of the world, you know, over in Europe, you know, in the, in the mountains of Switzerland or something. I don't know. I'm just picturing the sound of music all of a sudden. 
the, the practice of fasting is not limited to those who serve in full-time ministry or, or, or people who you consider, well, they're just uber spiritual. You know, it's not just reserved for those people. It's not just reserved for special occasions or circumstances. Simply stated, biblical fasting is refraining from food or other, some, some other kind of physical appetite or comfort for spiritual purposes, specifically for spiritual purposes. It's not just so, man, man, I'm gonna drop 20 pounds in this fast you know, uh, at the beginning of this year. That's great, that's wonderful. I hope that you have a, a desire to be physically healthy, but that's not biblical fasting. Biblical fasting is saying, I'm gonna put aside my physical comfort specifically for a spiritual purpose. So, Fasting has always been a normal part of relationship with God. It has. The, the psalm that we just read, Psalm 42, this, this impassioned plea, this psalm reflects this deep sense of spiritual thirst and a yearning for God. It, it, comparing the, the, the soul's longing to God to the thirsting and the panting of a deer who's searching desperately for water. Fasting brings you into this deeper and more intimate and more powerful relationship with the Lord. If you leverage fasting, it will help you increase your thirst for the Lord. The thing about, the thing about hungering and thirsting in the natural is man, I'm really hungry for a cheeseburger. And some of you are like, wow, yeah. We are gonna go to, we're going to Texas Roadhouse for lunch. We're getting a steak and whatever, you know. Remember, we're praying fasting, we're doing prayer and fasting. So get your mind off of that right now. But <laughs> maybe you're not fasting meat, I don't know. But the difference about uh, physical hunger and thirst is you go after that thing that you're desiring and then you, you get satisfied. Your hunger and your thirst are satisfied and quenched. You know, I think about Snickers, right? He's like, satisfied. Um, man, I'm really put, making it hard for you guys today, aren't I? <laughs> but the thing about spiritual hunger and spiritual thirst is that you hunger for God and the more of God that you get, the more of God you want. You don't just go, oh, oh, I'm good, I'm full now, I'm spiritually full. I'm not spiritually thirsty anymore. I got my big full drink of the Lord. I got my big full plate full of God, the presence of God today, I'm good, I don't need anymore. Because we, we walk out of the restaurant, we walk out, of the, out from the kitchen table and we're just, we've stuffed ourselves and we go, oh my gosh, I don't feel like I can, I can eat for like another three days. I've stuffed myself so much. Or if you did go to Texas Roadhouse, you probably filled up on all those yeast rolls first before your plate even came. And, and you're just like, oh, I'm so, I'm so full. But with God, when you feast on the Lord, you're fasting, but fasting is feasting on the Lord, right? And so you're, you're feasting on God, and then you come away going, I want more. I'm not, I'm, I don't feel bloated. I want more of you, God. When you eliminate food, from your diet for a number of days, or you eliminate some kind of other physical comfort, your spirit 
becomes uncluttered by the things of the world, and and you become amazingly sensitive to the things of God. In verse seven of Psalm 42, uh, it, it stated, deep calls unto deep. These, these guys were fasting, and, and the hunger and the thirst for God was greater than their natural desire for food. And as a result, these guys reached a place where they could cry out from the depths of their spirit to the depths of God, even in the midst of very severe trial. Once you've experienced even just a glimpse of that kind of intimacy with God. He's he's our father. He's the holy creator of the universe. Once you've experienced that kind of intimacy and you've experienced the countless rewards and the blessings that follow, your whole perspective begins to change. And so you soon realize that fasting, man, there's I it's a mystery, but there's this secret source of power that I've overlooked. During the years that that Jesus walked the earth, he devoted his time to teaching and preaching about his disciples, about the character and nature of God. And he devoted his time to teaching and, and demonstrating for the disciples and for all the people the principle of the kingdom of heaven, the principles of the kingdom of heaven, principles that conflict with our present world, principles that conflict with the culture of this world. In, in the Beatitudes specifically, Matthew chapter six, Jesus provides for us a pattern for us to live as the children of God. And he gives to us, in that pattern, he addresses three specific duties of those who follow him, of his disciples. Three specific duties of a Christian. What are they? Giving, praying, and fasting. It's all right there in Matthew chapter six. Jesus said, when you give. Not if you give. He says, when you give. And as it relates to prayer, he didn't say, if you pray, he said, when you pray. In fasting, he didn't say, if you fast, he said, when you fast. He made it clear that fasting, just like giving and praying, should be normal parts of his disciples' lives. But for some reason, much of the church hasn't given enough attention or much attention to fasting as much as we do to giving and praying. Why is that? Well, it's because the act of fasting is countercultural. It's very countercultural. The act of fasting is self-denial. Now, I know that in other ways that, that giving and praying are as well, but fasting kind of hits us differently sometimes than those other things. Of saying, no, self, it's self-denial. And what our culture it revolves around is self-gratification. If it feels good, do it, right? That's the mantra of our culture. Fasting is so countercultural, and it costs you something. It costs you something. It costs you hunger pains. It costs you a season 
of adjusting your social schedule and your activities sometimes. It costs you the battle that, that, that's even just fought in your heart and in your head of the loud voice of the flesh. You're battling against the loud voice of the flesh that we have so well trained for it to get whatever we want it. it you know, it just gets whatever it wants. And so we battle, and, and fasting costs, but fasting also brings reward. I'm gonna say it again. Fasting costs, but it also brings reward. We'll talk a little bit more about that later. But we need to remember that when Jesus spoke to his disciples about giving and praying and fasting, he spoke about these things like they were normal, routine, and expected practices and disciplines in the life of someone who followed him. King Solomon, when he's writing the, the books of wisdom for Israel, and he made the point in Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes chapter four, verse 12, he said that the, the cord or the rope that's braided with three strands is not easily broken. Likewise, I wanna point out that when giving and praying and fasting are practiced together in the life of a believer, it can create this type of threefold cord that's not easily broken. And Jesus took it even further by saying that prayer, through prayer and fasting, nothing shall be impossible. What? I don't remember reading that. Yeah, Jesus said through prayer and fasting, nothing shall be impossible. Well, we're gonna get to that here in a second, but I wanna pose this question to you. I wanna pose this question to you today. Could you possibly be missing out on the greatest breakthroughs in your life because you've not prayed and fasted? Is it possible? You, because of the failure to pray and fast, you're missing out on some kind of breakthrough that God has for you. What blessings are not being released? What answers to prayer might not be coming through? What bondages are not being broken because we fail to pray and fast? Both. And if that's the case for the individual, if that's the case for me, then it's gotta also be the, the case for us corporately too. Are there, is there corporate breakthrough that God has for us? Is there something to, that he has for us for the, for the body of Seeds Church, for the American church? Because, and we're not getting it because we fail to pray and fast. We fail to seek him. In Matthew chapter 17, in Mark chapter nine, it's the same account. It's the account of a father who has a, a demon-possessed son. And for years, he watches helplessly as his son is being tormented by this demon with severe convulsions. And as the boy grows older, the attacks become so severe that the boy would even just go and throw himself into an open fire. The demon would make the boy jump into an open fire or he would try, the demon would make the boy try to drown himself. He'd just jump into the water 
And, and, and so this suicidal spirit is tormenting him constantly, and the situation becomes life-threatening. And, and the guy has, the father has exhausted every attempt to help the boy, including taking the boy to Jesus' disciples. Let's take him to Jesus' disciples, and maybe they can minister to him. Maybe they can cast the demon out, but to no avail. The situation seems impossible. Then the father hears that Jesus is near. And he runs and he tracks down Jesus. And in Matthew chapter 7, 17, excuse me, verse 15, he goes to Jesus, the father goes to Jesus, and he cries out, Lord, have mercy on my son. He has seizures and suffers terribly. He often falls into the fire or into the water. So I brought him to your disciples, but they couldn't heal him. So when they brought the boy to Jesus, in verse 18, this is what happened. Jesus rebuked the demon in the boy, and it left him. Praise God. Praise God. And from that moment, the boy was well. Glory to God. Still happens today, to this day. What made the difference? What was the distinction between the power and the authority that Jesus' disciples were operating in? What was the difference between that and the power and the authority that Jesus himself operated in? Because we know this in Matthew chapter 10, if we rewind back a few chapters, Matthew chapter 10, Jesus had already given the power and authority and commissioned the disciples to cast demons out and to heal. This, it had already happened. This wasn't like the disciples' first rodeo. But what was the, the difference? What was the, 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 the difference maker here? Why couldn't the disciples cast the demon out of the boy? And that, that's what they wanted to know. They were like, why can't we do this? Later, that day, they get alone with Jesus, and they ask him, Jesus, what, what's up with that? In Matthew 10, you gave us the, the power and the authority to cast out demons and to bring healing. Why couldn't we do this? And Jesus said to them in verse 20, because of your unbelief, for assuredly, I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed. Anybody ever seen a mustard seed before? A real mustard seed? It's tiny. It's ridiculously small. And Jesus said, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. How be it, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. How many of us have read this passage before? Many of us, I'm sure. And, and how many of us have heard some preaching or teaching from this before? Yeah, sure. And how many of us, whether it was ourselves or the person that we were hearing preach or teach on this, they just focused on the statement, and nothing shall be impossible for you. Right? There's been a lot of focus on that before. And that's great. A lot of, but a lot of people just stop right there. But Jesus didn't stop right there because he knew that there was more. 
He knew that there was much more. But you see the funny little word there in that last sentence? How be it? That's not like um, a word that we use very often in our English vernacular anymore, 21st century English. It's like, you know, I wanted the SEC to win another championship. How be it? The Alabama center couldn't snap the ball very well on a couple of possessions, and it cost them the game. See, Kyle's like, yes, amen, you got me engaged in this sermon. Finally, we're talking about Alabama football. Now I'm teasing you, brother. I'm teasing you. It's not a word that we use very often. You know, that, that guy was acting like he was playing Pop Warner football. What was, what, what was wrong with that guy? Did you guys see that? Like, what are you doing, man? All right, okay, praise God, we're gonna keep going. How be it? Or we can say, however. It's the connection, it's the key that unlocks the power in that statement. Nothing shall be impossible for you. How? How can it be in nothing impossible? Here's the key I want to give to you. This kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. For Jesus, casting out that stubborn demon wasn't impossible. Because Jesus regularly practiced the spiritual disciplines of prayer and fasting. Here's a question. If Jesus could have accomplished all that he did on this earth without fasting, then why did he fast? The Son of God fasted because he knew that there are some supernatural things that can only be released this way. Maybe you're thinking, well, I, I don't know. I don't know, I'm not, I'm not 100% convinced yet. I'm not still sure that, that fasting is for me. Well, according to Jesus, the discipline of fasting is for every disciple. It's for every believer. In Luke chapter five, the Pharisees come to Jesus and they're, they're starting to give Jesus a hard time because the disciples are not engaging uh, in, in, in a fast that apparently is some kind of corporate fast that everybody's doing. And in, in Luke chapter five, um, they're asking the, the, you know, the Pharisees are asking, why are the disciples not fasting? And in verse 34, Jesus says to the disciples, or excuse me, to the Pharisees, he goes, can you make the friends of the bridegroom fast? while the bridegroom is with them? Like, they get a pass today. They don't have to fast today because I'm here with them. And now it's time for feasting, not fasting. But he doesn't stop there. He says, but the days will come when the bridegroom will be taken away from them. Then they will fast in those days. Then they will fast. Jesus expected his disciples to enter into seasons of fasting. And of course, he never expected us to do something that he was unwilling to do himself. Jesus fasted. And according to 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 1, he is our example in everything. In Luke chapter six, verse 40, Jesus says, a disciple is not above 
the teacher. But everyone who is perfectly trained will be like his teacher. So what does this mean? It means that fasting is for everyone. It's for all of us. If Jesus fasted, then it should be commonplace and common practice in our lives. If you're a follower of Jesus, then fasting is for you. If, if It's for every one of us who call Jesus our Lord. It's for every one of us who are disciples. It's for every Christian. I'm trying to think of any other way I can say this. <laughs> if you're a man, it's for you. If you're a woman, it's for you. If you're young, it's for you. Oh man, I thought I was gonna get a pass because I was in middle school. No, it's for you too. If you're old, it's for you. Oh man, I thought I was gonna get a pass because I'm retired. No, it's for you. If you're single, it's for you. If you're married, it's for you. Are you getting the picture? <laughs> if you're a follower of Jesus, it is for you. In Matthew chapter six, Jesus talks about God delighting in giving rewards. Not only that, but Jesus says that when you give and when you pray and when you fast, when these things are practiced in your life, that he will reward you openly. That's exciting. Now, I wanna say first and foremost, whatever the reward that, that the Lord has for me in praying and, and fasting and in giving, I've made the determination in my heart that Jesus, you are enough. Jesus, you are the worthy lamb. If I don't see any other reward, Jesus, just knowing you and being able to serve you is enough reward for me. But we know that there are times when the Lord blesses us with even more. I think Daniel is a good example of that. Daniel is a good example of open reward. If you, if you go in your Bibles to the book of Daniel, while in Babylonian captivity, Daniel is fasting. And, and, and it's, not, it's not a full-blown, like, I'm not eating or drinking anything. It's a partial food fast. And so, and, and what we see is this brings an open reward of God. And, and God blesses Daniel with wisdom that is beyond anyone else in the world's most powerful empire on the planet at that time. That's weighty. That's amazing. That's hardcore. Like, God blessing Daniel to be maybe the most wise person on the planet at that time because of Daniel seeking the Lord. In chapter 10, Daniel is grieved and he's burdened with the revelation that he's received for Israel. And in verse chapter two, uh, or excuse me, in verse two of chapter 10, he says, when the vision came to me, I, Daniel, had been in mourning for three weeks. It's 21 days. All at that time, I had eaten no rich food, 
No meat or wine crossed my lips, and I used no fragrant lotions until those three weeks passed. So for three weeks, Daniel fasted sweets. No donut country. Praise God we had some yesterday at the men's breakfast. It's like the last donut for a while. <laughs> no donut country, no cheesecake factory, no sneaking into the pantry at 11 o'clock at night, finding that Little Debbie Christmas tree cake that you hid behind the Quaker Oats, <laughs> thinking no one else would find it. Daniel fasted meat, no Texas Roadhouse, no Jack Brown's burgers, you know. Uh, Daniel fasted wine, no Arrington Vineyards, you know, no city winery. Daniel fasted even wearing deodorant and cologne for three weeks. Now, Lord, if you ask me to do this, please grant my wife with a special grace during this time and all of those around me, in Jesus' name, amen. The, the, Daniel then, he goes on to describe the angel uh, that was sent to him with the answers to his prayers, and this angel had been delayed by the prince of Persia. How long? For how long? Three weeks. For three weeks, Daniel is fasting, and he, he's praying, and the Lord is sending an answer to him, but it's delayed, but Daniel continues to fast and pray until the breakthrough comes, until the open reward comes. Daniel's fast broke the power of the delayer and it released the angel of God so that the purposes of God could be revealed and accomplished. This is just the tip of the iceberg, guys. Do you desire to know God's will for your life? Do you desire to know, man, what, what am I supposed to do in this critical situation? Do you want to know single people? Do you wanna know, who am I supposed to marry? Fasting brings us to this place of being able to better discern the will of God. I've heard testimonies of people who say that, that through my fasting, there was a breakthrough, and, and, and it was like God intervened in the lives of my children. Some of us need that. I've heard people give testimonies of breakthroughs in their health, in their bodies, and healing in their bodies. Some have testimonies that include provision and blessings from God. And like I said, all of that's wonderful and it's documented and it's in the scripture and it's really happened to people. And some of you sitting in this room have said, it's happened to me. And I wanna make this again abundantly clear. If I get any of those open rewards, praise God, I'm gonna give him thanks and I'm gonna be grateful for them and I'm gonna praise him and there'll be a testimony. But if through my fasting and prayer, all that I ever get is just coming closer to him, I'm okay with that too. Because he's the worthy lamb. 
He's the lamb that was slain. He saved me from hell. And he's still saving me from hell. Praise God. And he is enough. Jesus is enough. Whether you desire to be closer to God or you need some kind of breakthrough in your life, which it's not wrong to ask God for. It's not wrong to believe and have faith for. It's not wasn't wrong for the woman with the issue of blood to reach out and touch the hem of his garment and know that if I could just do that, then I would be made whole. It's not wrong to fast for a breakthrough. If you need one, do it. Daniel did it. Remember what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 10. If you have the faith of a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move and nothing will be impossible for you. How be it, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. Prayer and fasting, it's not an exact science. It's not a scientific formula. It's not a mathematical formula to just get whatever it is that you want. There's mystery in it. But we also know that there's power in it too. And we know that Jesus expects us to practice these spiritual disciplines as a normal part of our lives as his followers. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we're embarking into this season of seek, 15 days of prayer and fasting, God. And we do it with open hearts and with eager spirits. And God, as we gather and, and, and do this corporately, as a community, as a church family, here at Seeds, to, to intentionally seek your face, God, and to intentionally align our hearts with your purposes and your plans, and, and, and to intentionally deepen our connection with you through prayer and fasting. God, we do this and we acknowledge that seeking you requires this intentional effort and this intentional turning away from the distractions of this world and this intentional uh, shutting down the voice of our flesh and turning up the voice of your spirit, turning up at least the, our hearing of the voice of your spirit who's always speaking to us. God, just as the deer longs for the streams of water, so our soul longs for you, oh God. We thirst for you the living God. God, we desire a deeper and more intimate relationship with you. Help us, Lord, to leverage these spiritual disciplines of prayer and fasting to help us to become sensitive to your voice and to, to help us to unclutter ourselves from the things of this world. And God, I just pray that may the act of fasting unchain us from the desires of our flesh and that it would allow us God, to reach a place where we can cry out from the depths of, of our spirits to the depths of yours. And God, I just would pray and prophesy this right now over some people. I don't know who it is, but God, I pray that there are people here, that there is a, a, a 
there is a comfort of the flesh or there is a desire of the flesh that has a grip that has its control over some people in this room, God. And I pray that as they enter into this fast, God, I pray that that, that that grasp and that control would be broken in the name of Jesus and that they would be set free from that. God, even if it seems harmless, even if it doesn't seem sinful, God, they are slave to that thing. And so, Lord, I just pray that that bondage would be broken in the name of Jesus and that they would not go back to that thing after the fast. It would not have control over them after the fast. God, even if it's something as simple as caffeine, God, Lord, I just pray, uh, God, there's nothing sinful about caffeine, but God, if it has a hold of us, we don't want that. We want your spirit to have a hold of us. So, Lord, I just pray whatever it is, for whoever it is, that that bondage would be broken in the name of Jesus. And I rejoice that it will be done. So God, we just repent of any unbelief <laughs> and we just commit ourselves to seek you wholeheartedly during the season. And God, may we, like Daniel, experience open rewards, God. I pray that for this church. I pray that for my friends, for my brothers and sisters here, God, that as we fast and we pray, God, I pray for the powers of delay to be broken in Jesus' name. I pray that your purposes would be revealed in the name of Jesus. I pray that you would grant us wisdom and discernment like we've never had before in our lives. And God, whether we just seek closeness to you or it's we need a breakthrough or some kind of provision, we trust you for your supernatural intervention in the name of Jesus. And we lift our prayers to you, Lord God, confident that as we seek you with sincerity, we will find you. And we thank you for your faithfulness. And we're eagerly, God, eagerly anticipating the transformation that's gonna take place in our lives and the life of this church during this season of Seek. And if you agree with me, I want you to say amen. Amen. Go in peace and empower to love and serve the Lord. We'll see you on Wednesday night for prayer and worship. Thanks for listening. Stay connected with us at SeedsChurchTN.com and on social media. Our mission at Seeds Church is to help people discover who God created them to be and equip them to do what he called them to do. One of the easiest ways you can help us accomplish our mission is by simply sharing this podcast. You can do so by subscribing, leaving a review on iTunes, or sharing it with your friends on Facebook. Thanks again for listening. We hope to see you soon.